The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. What I want to talk with you about today is our body and how we can work together and the reality that we are so much stronger than we think we are. Uh, we as a body are, well, we're kind of like a scraggly growing kid, right? I mean, in the last four years, those of you who've been with us, we've, we've more than quadrupled in the number of people who are in our body. And, you know, as kids grow up, they, part of growing up is physically learning how to use your body, right? Uh, that's what play is. They're learning coordination and motor skills. And in, in some ways, that's kind of where we are as a body. You know, we've, we've kind of gone through a growth spurt. And the reality is, as we all learn to work together under the authority of Christ, we're going to see that we are so much stronger than we think we are. That we are capable, not in ourselves, but in Christ, of spiritually doing things that we could never even imagine. And that's what I want to talk with you about today is, you know, what is our next step? I mean, if, if we've kind of learned to walk as a body, uh, moving here was a huge step for us. And, and a lot of us, you know, a year ago, we didn't know if we could do it. And now here we are, and we meet here every week. And, and every week, by God's grace, it goes great. And there's over 200 of you who volunteer here um, on Sundays on rotation to make this time happen. Uh, that's the size that our whole congregation was a couple years ago. God's been growing us but he's growing us for a purpose. And as he grows us, our goal remains not to be a big church and also not to be a small church. And our goal is not to be a hip church or a traditional church. Those are all great. But our goal is to be a, a healthy church, a church where Jesus is truly the head of the body and a church where increasingly we look like his body and we act and walk the way that Jesus would walk, not only in our individual lives, but as a church family working together. And today I want to talk with you about uh, what I believe is our next step towards that. You know, you, you live the Christian life for a while and you start to realize that you're almost always either moving forward closer to God or backwards, closer to self, apathy. Uh, there, there's not, a, you can't just stay stagnant for too long, Right. You're either moving forward or backwards, more in love with God, more uh, loving of others, or kind of, you know, we don't wake up and look in the mirror and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back spiritually today, at least not typically. But we just kind of choose self a little more, a little more self, a little less others, a little less God. And, and it's the same with church congregations. You know, every congregation kind of has its own personality. I love it that Jesus calls us a body. He calls us a flock, and he calls us his bride. And, and you look at each different congregation, each, each little kind of bride of Christ, and they all fit together in God's eyes, but each one sort of has its own personality, right? Some churches are, are like evangelism churches. They're almost like that body's an evangelist. Some are, are discipleship churches, and, and uh, you know, some are encouragers, some are exhorters. And, and you know, our, our personality at Cornerstone is, is really beautiful because all of your backgrounds, I mean, we have so many different backgrounds represented in our body. It, it makes us, I think, a, a pretty balanced body of evangelism and discipleship. Mercy and compassion, but also an emphasis on the truth and God's word. We're, we're a pretty well-rounded body, especially for how young we are. And yet, just like in our personal lives, we as a body could get to a place where we get kind of comfortable and we could stop moving forward spiritually, right? And and, and that's really what's been on my heart the last few months is that we're in a really good place as a church, you know? Um, I mean, uh, because of all of our servants and because of all you guys, these Sunday gatherings tend to go really great. God shows up every week, uh, great worship. He talks to us and we hear from him in his word and the bills are all paid. And according to our accountant, you know, we've got just enough money in the bank for an organization of our size, what we should have in reserve. I mean, we could kind of just put this thing on cruise control, right? And just, you know, be comfortable, right? Uh, wouldn't that be nice? No, it would not be nice, okay? 
You guys know if you've been here for a while that, you know, well, churches of this size, about five to 700 regular attenders, it's very normal at this size to do a building campaign, a, a brick and mortar. You know, we're going to buy this parcel of land and we're going to build this building and here's the plans and, you know, and, and it's, you know, a big campaign and everyone gives and that's great. God works through those things. We have not been led to do that here. But I want to be really clear. The reason we've avoided a building campaign is not just so that we can be lazy and, and comfortable and kind of self-indulgent. The reason we've avoided a physical brick and mortar building campaign is because we want to be a church that is about building people. And what I want to talk with you about today is a building people campaign, okay? Uh, how are we at Cornerstone building people? I mean, are these just words that we say we want to make disciples, we want to build people, or is it happening? Are we doing it? And, and the answer is that we are, but I think we could be doing it so much more, even with the people that we already have. So I want to tell you briefly what we believe our next step is, and then from God's word, I'm going to explain why. And then we'll bring up uh, one of the Cornerstone families and we'll show you what this looks like. Uh, and then at the very end of the service, I'm going to tell you how we believe God is leading us to take our next step. So what is the next step? Well, in summary, um, it, it is a what we're calling it the community initiative. We want to become a church of community groups or home groups. Not a church that has some home groups, but a church of these groups. Uh, because as the elders and I have prayed and observed other churches and searched God's word and looked at our own flock, we're convinced that of all the models that are available to us in 21st century America, this is the best way to make sure that everyone is shepherded, everyone is known, everyone is prayed for individually, that if you drop out, you're missed. That if you are in the hospital, it, it's known. I mean, the way it works right now is like if you're in the hospital, unless you're in a home group, you could call the church office and Pastor Dan or me or one of the other pastors, we could go visit you. But if you're actually in a, in a group with 10 or 12 other people and you're in the hospital, they know it. And they don't just show up once to pray with you. They're praying with you over every test that's done and every result that comes in and every procedure and every recovery. And they're walking with you through life. This is what Jesus did with the 12 disciples. And, and this is in my life and probably in most of yours. If you look back, the times that you grew the most in the Lord, yes, there's good Bible teaching and worship like what we have here on Sunday. We're going to keep doing this because God is working and blessing it and changing lives through it. But when you really look back, the times that you radically grew, in addition to stuff like what we have here, you were in relationship with some other believers, weren't you? There was one or two other believers, or maybe more, maybe a group, and it was as you together lived out Christ's teachings that it really came alive. And, and as, a, as a shepherd, I want that for every one of you. I, I want to see every person at Cornerstone in a group where they're known and loved and prayed for and using their gifts and growing. And I'm totally getting ahead of myself. So, you know, um, I'll explain more about this at the end. But what we believe, we, we've prayed about this. Is there, you know, is there a lay person in our church? Is there someone else? Is there some creative way other than hiring someone that we can really strengthen the home group and community group ministry? And as we prayed about it, we've concluded, the elders and the pastors, that we really would benefit as a body from bringing on a full-time pastor of community groups. Now, our goal long-term is not to always be hiring another pastor every time there's a need. And yet, if we say we're really all about community and relationships, and we say these groups are a priority, and we've tried with three different of our pastors on staff to say, hey, in addition to what you're doing, also be the pastor of these groups. And you know what? The groups don't get the attention that they need. Uh, right now, of our about 700 regular attenders, we have maybe 150 in home groups. Well, we'd like to get that up to 80%. That's 560 people. Uh, well, if every group is 12 people, and I know all you guys who hate math have just totally zoned out, okay? Bottom line is, 
if we get to our goal, we'll have 47 groups, which means 47 group leaders. So if you were the pastor of the community groups and you decided this week, I just want to spend one hour with every one of my group leaders, you'd have a 47-hour work week. That doesn't leave any time for planning for the future or attending a staff meeting or eating lunch or anything else, okay? So, so and, and that's what we're going for. We want the majority of our people in these groups, but we want the leaders of the groups to be shepherded, to have their own pastor that they can reach out to and say, how do I do this? And a pastor who's checking up with the leaders and saying, hey, are you praying for your people? Are you guys opening the word? Are you reading the Bible when you all get together? What's going on in your group? And the other beautiful thing about having a pastor over this is right now, the way it is, the groups have to kind of be cookie cutter because, you know, there's no one to give a lot of attention to them. Well, I think the way the body works is that each group is going to kind of take on its own personality. You know, some groups are going to become, some of you guys just have a heart to reach the lost and your group's going to start reaching out to your neighborhood. Some of you have a heart to serve the poor. Some of you are going to have a group and a couple in your group starts going uh, through a divorce and, and you guys all have to come around them and, and, and try and, and mend that marriage or they have a, a child or they have a family tragedy and you all come around them for a season. Each group's going to kind of have its own emphasis based on its people and the Spirit's lead. And yet under this pastor, all the groups can move together. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. We are so much stronger than we think if we all start to move together. I mean, can you imagine 700 people all saying, hey, we're all going to go the same way? You could really do some stuff, right? Uh, one of the things right now our mission team is praying about Right now we have missionaries all over the world and we are so thankful for that. And our missions team is praying about, you know, where in the world should we pick as our focus? You know, we'd like to pick like a village in Cambodia or in uh, Africa or somewhere where that's like, that's Cornerstone's place. And every year groups of you go over there and you make relationships with the people who live over there. And you go back and you take them stuff and your kids get to know their kids. And over the years, we get to see a village or a community transformed. Well, could you imagine once we're all in, in groups or most of us, that then we say, you know, uh, since we're not doing a physical building campaign in Prescott, this village in Africa really needs a medical clinic. Let's build a medical clinic. Well, we could do that with 700 people. We could raise those funds in probably like a month or two. I can't do that on my own. Most of you can't do that on your own. But as a body, when we start to move together, get in these groups, and then the groups move in sync, there's so much we can do around the world and right here in Prescott. So I'm getting ahead of you guys. But that's, that's kind of what our next step is. Now let me tell you why from God's word, and then we'll tell you how. Uh, I don't know for any of you if you if there was a time in your life that you didn't know your own strength. I couldn't come up with an analogy of this from my life because I'm not that strong physically, okay? But I do remember mentally in junior and senior high not caring about academics at all. And I remember quite a few tests where I had no clue what the answer was, and so I had to get creative. And I, I found this book of test answers from actual kids who got creative because they didn't know the answer. And I just had to share a few of them with you guys because I thought they were hilarious. I hope you guys enjoy them. Here's the first one. It says, draw a plant cell and identify its most important parts. <laughs> so you see the plant and then you see its cell. It has iron bars. It has no windows. It's a plant cell. Here's another one. What is ecology? It's the bacteria and raw beef that makes you sick. Ecology. Now, this next one I think is from a pretty uptight science teacher who wants a really mathematical answer. It says, what is the general width of a hair follicle? It's about a hair, a hair's breadth, 
probably. When I saw that book, I just had to, to get a copy because it really reminded me of my junior and senior high school years. And then when I got into college and I was having to pay for college myself and all of a sudden I realized this stuff mattered, like something just clicked in me. And all of a sudden I realized that if you study for tests, you do better, which is just crazy. And I realized, you know, that I had some mental and some intellectual strength that I didn't know about. And that's part of growing up, whether it's physically or mentally or socially, all of us, as we grow up, we realize, wow, I'm a little stronger than I thought I was. And, and as a body, I'm just telling you guys, Cornerstone, as we learn to work together under Christ's authority, we're going to see that we are so much stronger than we think. Uh, we can accomplish so much for the kingdom. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Because God's working through us. And, and if we will all set ourselves apart to him, and, and we don't even have to be perfect. That's the best part about it. All we got to do is be faithful. We're going to see that together we are so much stronger than we think. You see, God wants us to grow in maturity and in unity so that together we can accomplish eternal things that individually we could never do on our own. God wants us to grow. He wants us to find out that we're stronger. Uh, why? Not so we can serve ourselves, so we can serve others, so we can serve God. And in Ephesians 4, the, he gives us these words, grow in your unity together, your ability to work together for the kingdom. Grow in your maturity. And as you do, you're going to be a body and you're going to see God do things that would never happen through any of us on our own. Turn with me in your Bible, if you have one, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. There's this great verse that we'll get to in verse 15 where it says, instead of being spiritually immature, we will grow up. Not a cool phrase. We will grow up into him, Christ, who is the head. From Christ, the whole body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. God wants us to grow in maturity and unity. Together, we can accomplish eternal things that we could never do on our own. Follow along with me if you're in Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 11. Paul's been describing Jesus Christ, and here's what he says. It was he, verse 11, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, like Paul and Peter, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists. Pastor Dan, we've got an evangelist on our staff. And some to be pastors and teachers. Uh, in other words, uh, what Paul's saying here in verse 11 is, the truly effective spiritual leaders today and in world history, they didn't happen by accident Jesus, who's the head of the church, he actually appointed them and put them in place. Why does he do that? Verse 12 tells us it's to prepare God's people for works of service, to prepare you, to equip you to be like Christ and to serve like Christ. Did you know that's, I mean, that's my job description. Every one of your pastors and servants that you have here, that's our job description. We are here to equip you and prepare you. And God uses different gifts to do that, like a, like a gift of teaching. But the gift that we're lacking right now is, is someone who can train up these community group leaders and, and show them, here's what it looks like to take care of your group. Here's how you pray for your people. Here's how you check up on them. And, and I, I want that for you guys. I'm doing my best to equip you, but I know you can be equipped even more. You can be made ready, prepared for God's service even more. What's the purpose? Why are pastors and teachers called to prepare you for your works of service? Verse 12, second half, so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's how we grow as a body. Not by getting bigger. I mean, that's one way to grow. But spiritually, the way we grow is when we get built up. We mature together. And let's keep reading in verse 13, we get this idea that the growing up, it's like a tree growing or a child growing. They don't stop growing. They keep growing. Verse 13, keep growing until we all reach unity in the faith. Unity in the faith. We're working together. And unity in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
We'll come back to that phrase, the fullness of Christ. Interesting phrase. Verse 14, then after you're equipped and unified and mature, we will no longer be infants. Uh, Paul Paul says uh, a few different times in scripture that when you place your faith in Christ, you're adopted into God's family. And that moment that you become a believer, you're like a spiritual infant. And you know what? God loves infants. And at Cornerstone, we love infants. We've got a whole room full of them right over here. And we love spiritual infants. Uh, But God's plan for you is not to remain an infant spiritually. He wants you to feed on the milk of God's word and eventually on the meat of God's word. He wants you to grow up in the Lord. And verse 15, verse 14 tells us, here's what it looks like when, when you're a spiritual infant. When you're a little bit, you know, you got some growing to do. 14 says, They're tossed back and forth by the waves. In other words, they they bounce from place to place. There's not a stability. They're blown here and there by every wind of teaching. In other words, because they're they're young spiritually, they're susceptible. Some teacher comes along who's really slick, who tells really great stories and and maybe isn't actually teaching the word of God and an an infant could fall for that. And, And God says through Paul, he wants us to grow out of that so that you're not captured by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. God tells us there always will be wolves out there. There always will be false teachers who prey on God's sheep. And and part of our equipping you, my calling from God, is to equip you so that you know what a false teacher looks like. And by the way, we have a, a message on that. If you go on our website, it's called Wolves. Okay, so the opposite of immaturity in the Lord, verse 15, instead of spiritual immaturity, here's what growing up spiritually looks like. Speaking the truth in love, we could camp on that, we will grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. By the way, it's because of that verse that we often say around here, our goal is to be a church where Christ is is the head. Where he's the boss. He's the head. We're the body. We do whatever he tells us. Verse 16, from him, from Christ, the whole body, that's us, every one of us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament. That's, that's all of us. We're all different parts, right? Ligaments, tendons, bones, muscle. From Christ, the whole body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Man, there's so much... In this text, but let's just start with this reality that God calls Jesus the head of the church, and He calls us the very body of Christ. Uh, so, who are we as a church, right? Because we don't ever make a big decision without thinking, "Who are we? Who are we as a church? We are the physical presence of God in Northern Arizona." Do you realize that we are the physical presence of God in Northern Arizona? Why? To make God known. And to make disciples for God. Now I have a question for you. Well, first of all, when I say we're the physical presence of God, I'm not saying that we are God, okay? Definitely not. Uh, But what does scripture say? 1 Corinthians uh, says that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. If you're a follower of Christ, he lives in you. And then Ephesians 4 told us that we're the body of Christ. So if people in Northern Arizona physically want to find God, Is there a temple like there was in the Old Testament, a tabernacle that they can go to and here's God's presence? There is, and it's you, and it's me. We are the body of Christ. We are his physical presence. He lives inside us. Question, what is God doing in Northern Arizona? I mean, did he come here because it's beautiful? It is, but isn't heaven more beautiful? Did God come to Northern Arizona maybe to see the Grand Canyon? Why? What is God doing in Northern Arizona? Why is his presence here? Because there are tens of thousands of souls who are enslaved in sin. And he wants to rescue them. You see, God so loved the world that he sent his only son, his physical presence, down into the world so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And in the same way, God so loved Prescott that he sent us, you and me, into the greater Prescott area 
so that as they encounter us, we can tell them, if you believe in Christ, you don't have to live a life that's empty. And you don't have to leave this life for an eternity separated from God. We are the presence of God here to tell you that he loves you and he's reaching out to you through us. And by the way, church, there's no plan B. There's no other option. God didn't set it up and say, well, I'm gonna make my presence on earth, my people, and if they don't do the job, I've got a backup plan. That's not what scripture says. We're it. We, the church and the other Bible-believing churches in this area, we are the very presence of God in Northern Arizona. Why? To show the love and the power of God to souls who are lost in darkness. And when a church really has Christ as its head, those people are going to be brought into the church. That's part of why he has grown us so rapidly in the last four years. I mean, honestly, there have been times when I've been talking with God and I've, you know, God, why can't the church be a little smaller again? It was so much easier to manage when we were over at Rosser and we were a smaller group. And, and it's kind of the reply is kind of like, well, you say you want me to be the head of the church. Do you mean that? Well, yeah. Well, I love all these people. I love every little girl in every trailer park. I love every little boy in Prescott Valley and in Prescott who has an alcoholic dad. I love every divorcee in Prescott Lakes. I love every widow. I love every retiree from California. I even love the grumpy old people who, who really give you the stink eye when your kid starts crying in a restaurant. I even love them. And if you really want me to be the head of the church, then I'm going to be bringing them in. Because that's what I do. That's who we are. We're God's presence. What does a body of Christ look like? I mean, think about it with me. If Jesus were physically here right now, walking around like he walked around in, you know, Galilee and Jerusalem, what would he be doing? Would he maybe be healing the sick, helping the hurting? Be teaching the truth of God, absolutely. And if we're his body, then as we grow in him, shouldn't we every year look a little bit more like him together? John chapter 1 gives us a great summary of spiritually what it looked like when Jesus stepped down into this world. And what it describes is that this world was spiritually dark. And Jesus, like a, a bolt of lightning, burst onto the scene as light in the darkness. And Jesus came to this world to make God known, to communicate to sinners that there's a way back to the Father. And the more we look like his body, the more we're going to be doing that. But what's so cool about John 1 is it, it gives us some really neat texture about how Jesus did that. And, and, and my favorite part is in verses 14, and verse 17, when it says that the way Jesus came, he was full of grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth. What is grace? Well, grace is, is complete forgiveness for our sins. In fact, I heard it explained this way once. Mercy, mercy is you breaking into someone's house and stealing their stuff and messing up their whole house and they say, well, I'm not going to call the police and I'm not going to file any charges. Okay, that's mercy. Grace is them saying, ah, oh, you know what? Why don't you take my car too? Take my credit cards. Go take a little trip to Disneyland. I've even got a, a timeshare on the coast. Why don't you go ransack that place too? Okay, that's grace. Grace is not only not getting what we deserve, but getting so much more that we don't deserve. And grace is compassionate and it's loving. And what's interesting about people, you know, because we all bear God's image, but we're all broken by the fall. Some people are very gracious by nature. And some people are very truthful by nature. And they will nail you down on the truth, right? What's so awesome about Jesus is that he came full of grace and full of truth. 
And when a church is healthy, when Christ is the head of its body, as it matures, it's a place that is full of grace and forgiveness. A place where you can mess up and all the other people say, hey, I mess up too. Let me help you get back up. There's forgiveness for that. But it's also a place of truth. A place where God's word is taught and memorized and lived out. And those are our two core values at Cornerstone because of that. We have two defining values or personality traits, grace and truth. Truth, we're committed to Bible teaching that's accurate and that's applicable. Grace, we're committed to unconditionally loving each other in relationships. And you know, as I've prayed about our body and as I've watched our body in the last year especially, I've realized, you know, on Sundays what we're doing God is blessing it and it's great. And we're able to teach about his grace. But we're we're mostly, you know, this is kind of a, a truth thing here, teaching God's word. For God's people to really know grace, they have to experience it in relationship. Like Peter, you know, you know, well, think about this. Jesus had three years on earth, right? And he had plenty of chances to teach thousands of people and hundreds of people, but he spent the vast majority of time with his small group with his home group, with his community group, which was 12 guys, one of whom turned out to be, you know, Judas. So, but think about, you know, Peter, what's Peter's idea of grace? Well, it's not a lecture. It's that moment after Peter had denied Christ three times. At Jesus' lowest moment, Peter turned on him and denied him. And then Jesus comes back to him and says, I'm going to restore you, Peter. If you'll come back to me, I can still use you. So later in the church, when Peter would talk about grace, he wasn't talking about some concept that he learned in a lecture. He's talking about a real thing that he experienced in relationship. And this is my heart for you, because I want you to grow into the fullness of Christ, is to, yes, know the things that I can communicate to you as a teacher, but also to experience them in relationship in home groups and in community groups where you actually have to show grace to each other and you actually have to receive grace from others. It's interesting, this phrase, the fullness of Christ in Ephesians 4.13. When I saw it, I thought, what does that mean? I mean, that's such a like, the fullness of Christ. And there's this principle in Bible study, by the way, whenever you want to know what something means, look and see if it's somewhere else in the Bible. A lot of times the Bible will define its terms for you That's the case with the fullness of Christ. Paul uses it three chapters earlier in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And you know what he says the fullness of Christ is? The church. Obviously, he's not talking about a building, right? He's talking about the people of Christ. Now, I think there's another fullness of Christ that we'll see when we get to heaven. But on this earth, according to Ephesians 1, 22 and 23... And 4.13, the fullness of Christ is gathering together with other believers. Why? Well, because we've each been given different spiritual gifts, and each of those gifts are like a little pinhole into who God is. And if, if you just, all you're getting from the body is me up here, well, you know, God can use that to a degree and does use that, but God wants you to experience the fullness. He wants you to have dozens of these pinholes that you can look through and see, wow, You know, through that person, I really learned God's mercy. Through that person, I really learned God's power. Through that person, I learned how to pray. And and it's when all these believers are around you and the Holy Spirit's working through all of them that you get the fullness of Christ. Like a, a good car wash, right? You know, when you drive through a good car wash and there's all those nozzles all around. Fullness. You guys don't like it. That's okay. That's all right. Let's just move on. Here's three practical steps we have at Cornerstone for spiritual growth. How do you grow in the Lord at Cornerstone? Three really simple ways. One, gather on Sunday like you are right now. Two, gather in groups. Because if you're like me, I mean, I put 20 or 30 hours into the message and I forget it by Sunday night. So I can't imagine how fast you guys forget it, okay? And in a group... You get together, you're sharing your needs, you're praying for each other, you're being real, you're carrying each other's burdens, 
And in that group comes back up the message and how it actually applies to your life. I need that. Gather on Sunday, gather in a group, and then serve with your gifts. God has given you a spiritual gift that I do not have, that you have. And only you can do the things that God has prepared for you to do. And honestly, you know, don't quote me on this. You could really do two of these three. You could pick two and grow. If your heart's turned towards God and you're in a group and you're gathering on Sundays or you're in a group and you're serving or hopefully all three of them, I, I can just, I guarantee you this. If your heart is turned towards God and you do these three things, you will grow spiritually. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I just come on Sundays twice a month, once a month, and I'm still growing spiritually. Well, yeah, that's true. But you know what? A growing kid, picture a, a growing kid who's eating one meal a day versus a growing kid who's eating three meals a day, okay? This is how the three steps work. You want to just do one of them? Great. You're going to be a little bit malnourished, okay? Do all three of these things, you're, you're, you're going to be surprised, I'm telling you. And, and right now, Number one, gather on Sundays. You know, we have that set up for you pretty well. Number three, you want to serve? You just write it on a hi there card. We will get you plugged in to serve. But number two, you want to get into a group? Well, we have a waiting list because we don't have enough leaders. Because we don't have a pastor who can really vet the leaders and place the leaders. And, you know, we're a little shorthanded. And we've prayed, God, is there a lay person who can do this? And we've We've really sought the Lord about it, and we, we believe, and I, I could be wrong. Ask Mel. I'm wrong all the time right now. I could be wrong, but I, I believe. I, I, I think this is so near to God's heart that it, it deserves a pastor that just lives for this, that, you know, this is his thing, is to shepherd these leaders and to train these groups so that people are being shepherded and people are being discipled. So that when you do end up in the hospital, you've got a whole group that's around you. Or you go through some life crisis. Yeah, we could send in a pastor to, to help out for a moment, but what if you're, you're part of a, a little group of people where you're seeing the fullness of Christ expressed through his people? So it's through relationships in the church that we see the fullness of Christ's attributes lived out. And I already kind of explained that to you guys. It's from those two texts there in Ephesians that we get that. Well, here's what we believe is our next step. Your leaders, your elders, your pastors, and me. We believe our next step in maturing as a body. Remember, we could, we could put the thing on cruise control. We're in a pretty good place, right? If church was about us, if we were in northern Arizona to make ourselves comfortable, you know, we've got a pretty good thing going here. But that's not why we're here. What's our next step forward to mature as a body? It's a focus on relationships that live out what we read in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Relationships like that don't happen by accident. Until we reach full unity in the faith of Christ. To all the body parts are working together. Relationships like that don't just accidentally happen. They happen intentionally. And here's, you know, kind of the, the brutal truth. The, the, the dirty underbelly about this thing. Here's my heart as a shepherd. Now that we're in this facility that God gave us. If you don't show up on a Sunday, I don't know. It breaks my heart to say that. I like being in a smaller church where I knew where every little sheep in the flock was. But it's Christ's church. He's the head of the body. He's doing what he wants with it. And now we're at this place that you could drop out. I wouldn't know. And I don't think that's right. I think your church should be a place where you're known by name and where you're missed, and where you're prayed for individually, and where you're cared for. And I think it's a humility from our elders and pastors to say, we're doing our best, but it's not enough. And we know we can't just hire enough pastors to do it. 
but we can hire one pastor who trains our lay people to be the body. And we could have 47 groups where each group has its own shepherd. And if that shepherd wants to learn to make hospital visits, we'll teach him how. If that shepherd wants to learn to do weddings because someone in their group's getting married, maybe we'll teach him how. Don't quote me on that, but I think that'd be a beautiful thing. What's the purpose of community groups or home groups? Here it is. Community groups connect us to each other. That's step one. And that's what, you know, some of you who are here, who've been here for a few years, you're connected. So you're like, what's the big deal? But, but a lot of you who are here within the last year or the last few months, praise God you're here on Sundays, but boy, we got to figure out who you are and what your gifts are. We want to help you grow. So community groups connect us to each other. And then as we get connected to each other, together we get to connect others to God. Remember John 1, Jesus came into the darkness to make the Father known. And as groups, as we grow together, we will start to make God known in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces. I mentioned at the beginning of our time to think back to some of the times when you've really grown, you know, if there's been just a season of growth in your life and that chances are at that time, there were other believers around you who were encouraging you. And I know that was the case for me. Uh, I, I might've mentioned that back in high school, you know, I had a, a few friends when God really got a hold of my heart. I had three or four friends who also loved the Lord. And it was the same way in college. And then when I moved to Arizona to attend seminary down at Phoenix Seminary, God uh, planted me in the biggest church I've ever been a part of. It was a church of 10,000 people. And it was in that church that I experienced the best community and relationships that I've ever experienced in any church. Why? Well, I didn't know all 10,000 of the people. In fact, I didn't know about 9,950 of them. And I didn't need to. But the 20 or so people in my group, I knew really well. And I knew when one of their cars broke down because we'd all pitch in and, and help get it fixed. And I knew when one of them was going through a hard time. And I knew when one of them would come to salvation because we'd baptize them in the pool in the backyard. And, and we, this little group, got to see some of the fullness of Christ. And yet we were part of something so much bigger. On Sunday, we'd go to the big service and then afterwards we'd all go out to lunch together or out to dinner together if it was the evening service. And so we were part of this huge movement of 10,000 people and yet we had our own little thing. And we were under the safety and the authority of the elders of that church, but we had our own unique group with our own unique personality. And man, that's when I really took off in my spiritual growth. And I wanna tell you a story about Stephen Wald, uh, because after a while I got to, to lead that group and be kind of the, the shepherd of that little group. And, you know, little did I know that God would someday call me to be a shepherd of a bigger group. And one of the things I did when I was a home group leader is whenever I'd get to church, uh, and it was this big auditorium that seats like 2,000 people, I'd always be looking, recruiting, you know? I mean, kind of like a young single man, always on the prowl, right? But I, I was, truthfully, by God's grace, always on the prowl for the next person for our group. And I remember this one Sunday that I walked in, and there was this guy who was about my age, and he was just sitting all by himself. And, and I walked up to him, and I sat next to him, and I said, hey, my name's John. We've got this awesome group. It's a bunch of people our age. It's really fun. Uh, you should come. Here's my number. I sat with him. Well, he, he started coming to our group. And then he came to salvation. And then he'd go with us when we'd go down to Mexico to build houses as a group. It wasn't something that the, the big church did. It was something we did as a group. And then we, you know, we got to see him grow in the Lord. This is like probably 10 years ago now. And my favorite days now are when Stephen calls me. Because now Stephen is a home group leader in Colorado. And he's about to graduate from distance education with his biblical studies degree from Liberty University. And he's married this awesome Christian gal. 
and they're praying about going into ministry. And whether they do or not full time, they're doing ministry. And that's what I think of because I remember Stephen telling me, if you hadn't come and sat next to me, I never would have gone back to that church. It was so big and I felt so out of place. And that's my heart for us as a body, that when God brings someone in here, there's a whole bunch of you who say, oh, there's someone sitting by themselves. I got to go say hi. And I got to bring them into our group because our group is so much fun. We don't want them to miss out. And that's my heart for us as a church. We're going to hear one testimony of what this looks like with our existing groups. And then I'm going to briefly tell you guys exactly how we want to take this step of bringing on a community groups pastor. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I thank you for your people. We are your people called by your name. We are your flock. And Jesus, we look to you as our chief shepherd. And we pray, Lord, that you would shape us to be the flock, the bride, the body that you want us to be. Lord, we acknowledge this world is not our home and we want to invest ourselves, our lives, everything we have into reaching the lost and into loving the reached and shepherding and discipling the reached. So use us in that. Holy Spirit, continue speaking to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to introduce you guys to Mark and Alina. Mark and Alina, Tim, uh, you guys have been part of the Cornerstone family for, what, about a year? Yep. And, uh, you know, Mark and Alina, it's is such perfect testimony for today. Uh, because I remember you guys coming when we were back at Rosser. And I remember, you know, God was at work in your lives. I remember Sundays that you guys would come up and say, man, the Holy Spirit really spoke to us today. And yet it was when you got into a small group that God kind of, you know, turned on the nitrous or put it in overdrive, you know, took it to the next level. So tell us a little bit about that, how, you know, the small group kind of took it to the next level in your spiritual growth. Sure. Well, we had the opportunity to, to meet Pastor Dan early in our, our uh, journey at Cornerstone and, and uh, um, had the opportunity through him to uh, begin a small group in our home. And I think what I personally have enjoyed so much about having the small group is it is really a time to get real. As you were talking in the message that, you know, there's no, um, there's no veil, there's no pretense, there's just reality that, you know, we're all uh, fallen human beings and that by grace uh, we can share and lift each other up. And I think that's been the, just the most powerful part of being part of the group. Um, we weren't always part of a home group previously, but um, we just never committed for this reason or that reason. But um, if you kind of think, well, that's not really maybe something I need or um, it's not for me, uh, I kind of used to feel like that. <laughs> Um, it's made such a difference in my life. I, we come on Sunday, and I, I soak in the message, which is so important. But then on Wednesday night with our home group, that's when I really learn and apply and grow. And Amen. it's been really impactful in my life. Amen. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, you know, if, if you're on the verge of divorce in your marriage, you know, and you see me on the way out in the lobby or some other pastor and say, how are you doing? You know, what are the chances that you're going to be like, well, you know, we're just about to get a divorce. I pretty much want to kill my spouse, you know? <laughs> you're probably not going to say that on a, on a Sunday. But, but a home group, a community group, that's the kind of place where that stuff comes out, and that's the stuff that matters, right? Because we're all broken. We're all messed up. If your marriage is hard work, it's a normal marriage, okay? And, and, and so we need uh, what Alina just described and what what Mark has described for us. And I need to look and see what my next question for you guys is. <laughs> what has been the highlight for you guys of being in a small group? <laughs> I have to speak about the highlight okay. because for, for me it was when um, our sons and I decided to get baptized. Mm -hmm. uh, and another member of our group, Jamie, also got awesome. baptized. And there's one of my sons there. Awesome. My husband got the privilege of baptizing our sons and I said, no offense, honey, but I prefer Pastor Dan. <laughs> um, I you want it to was, count I did, and yeah. I was afraid I might be under the water a little too long if Mark was baptizing me. So, uh, it was just really, it was beautiful. We did this in our neighbor's jacuzzi, and um, it was just a fun time. It meant so much for me to have our home group there for support. Yes. It was just a beautiful time. Amen. Well, and I just add, I think... Uh, um, we get a, a, have a lot of fun together, and so we always uh, enjoy some good food. And, and uh, 
that was pie night, and uh, Iola makes the best apple pie in the world. Um, and, and But we've also been able to contribute together, be in the hands and feet of God. And so we adopted a family for Christmas, and, and we participated in the food drive, and we've done some other things. And, and beyond that, I think the most impactful is we've seen prayer answered, um, and we've seen pe- people be healed, and we've seen jobs come through prayer and and uh, renters come and and some different things so it's been really great to see the moving amen and that's that is god's desire you know for every one of you following christ to have brothers and sisters have this kind of you know family in christ relationship where you're bearing each other's burdens uh, mark let me ask you because the word lead or leader is kind of an intimidating word for a lot of people. And, and for this reason, you know, some churches say, well, we don't call our, our group leaders leaders. We just call them, you know, hosts or facilitators. And that's all fine. But we really actually, we want to, the reason I believe we need a pastor for this is we actually want to train leaders who can make disciples and who can shepherd people. Um, and so, you know, it's an intimidating word. Pastor Dan kind of walked with you guys as a pastor and uh, if, if he wasn't so busy shepherding and as a pastor of evangelism, he'd be great for this. But we've got so many other things he's doing around here. Tell us a little about actually stepping up to be a leader, you know, and and was it as hard as you thought or how'd it go? <laughs> well, I could testify that the, the, the need is great. And, and, and we were blessed to have Pastor Dan and Jeannie uh, in our homes and helping uh, lead and, and through watching and learning uh, through his example. Um, we really became comfortable with the fact that, you know, when you invite the Holy Spirit in, he really is the leader in the home, and and uh, great things happen, and, and though I might have taken away some things from the message that are meaningful to me, or Alina has taken some things away, we're always amazed at what everyone contributes in our group, and, and how they see and were touched and ministered to, and how I get ministered through hearing those examples. And so, um, yes, uh, it's a leadership role of sorts, but uh, certainly the Holy Spirit's in charge of those meetings. Amen. Amen. And, and that's, you know, what's so beautiful about it, you know, an ideal community group or home group like, like the Tim's is not the leader talking the whole time like I do up here. This is, would be a terrible community group, right? Um, like Mark described, it's, it's the Holy Spirit leading through all the members of the body and all of us opening up and sharing together. And, uh, and again, that can be intimidating even as a participant. You know, I came in today's message knowing that some of you have been in home groups or cell groups or community groups or whatever they're called in the past that have been lousy or bad, you know, at other churches, maybe even here if I was leading it, okay? But, uh, you know, the reality is don't, don't give up on it. If you've had a bad experience in the past with one, um, you know, just like if you've been to a church that was, you know, a real downer. You know, don't give up on church just because you went to one that was bad. Don't give up on home groups or community groups just if you've had a bad experience in one. Uh, finally, Mark and Alina, how has leading or just serving in a group, how has that helped you to grow in the Lord? Well, for me, I think just the additional time in the Word, uh, the additional time of exploration and self-examination uh, to really apply um, the messages and, and, and really just to be real with myself, that additional time has helped me to realize i got a lot of room to grow. Um, and, but through God's help, I'm getting there. And uh, today I look back in the last year and, and see in my own life that uh, it's been a, a year of spiritual growth like no other year preceding that. Amen. Amen. Um, I think I favorite part for me is just when we are all just talking about the message and everybody, we just talk about life experiences and what, what the message meant to each of us and what our experiences have bring, you know, bring to that. And, um, we talk about all the verses that were referenced and, um, somebody will say, well, I loved when pastor John said this and I'll say, I didn't catch that. (laughs) Am I listening as well to you as I think I am? Um, but anyway, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, um, just a real time of growth and just listening to each other's stories and experiences and applying Mm -hmm. the message. It's, It's meaningful. Amen. Well, it's been fun for us to see you both growing and thank you just for stepping out in faith and serving the Lord and, not only is he growing you, he's growing everyone who's in your group because you guys stepped out. And could you guys give Mark and Alina a round of applause while you guys step up? Thank you so much. 
Well, very briefly now, I want to explain how. You know, I talk about what is our next step. We'd like to bring on a, a full-time pastor for this. Why? We've seen from God's Word. What does it look like you just saw? We'd like to see a church that doesn't just have some groups in it, but a church where we're actually a whole bunch of groups that get together. A church of groups, just like what we heard about. So how are we going to get there? Well, by God's grace, at the rate that he grows us, uh, we could afford a home group's pastor probably in about six months to a year. I just don't think that's soon enough. And, and so as I've been praying about this and then God, you know, what's our next step? You know, a lot of churches would be doing a big building campaign or something right now. You've led us away from that. We don't want to be lazy. We see this as our need. We could probably afford it in six months or a year, but the need is right now. And we really want to be a healthy church. And it kind of dawned on me, why, why don't we just raise the money for the first year of this person? You know, why don't we all just pitch in and instead of it being, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy a piece of land, it'd just be some tens of thousands of dollars so we can bring this pastor, well, first of all, recruit one that really fits our values and has experience doing this and is gifted at it. And then move that pastor and probably family here and, 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 and then, you know, get this thing going. I just don't feel like waiting spiritually. So as we prayed about it, we came up with this term, the, the community initiative. Let's, let, let's have like a, a campaign. Like other churches, if they can do it for a building, we can do it to build people, right? I mean, if, if other churches can raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to buy brick and mortar, couldn't we raise tens of thousands to invest in people? I hope so. And, and that's where this thing is going to come down to you all to decide in your heart. Am I on board? Do I believe God's at work in Cornerstone? And do I want him to keep working at Cornerstone? Do I want to be part of what he's doing at Cornerstone? Uh, and here's what's exciting. Uh, two families behind the scenes have already contributed uh, a really significant amount of money. And so for all the expenses of, you know, recruiting the person, moving them here, uh, training them, and then the actual salary and, you know, some health insurance and stuff for the family, the whole thing... All we need is $25,000, which is a smoking deal, okay? And that's because of the generosity of, of two families behind the scenes. Um, but I think this is a really important moment for us as a body to say, are, are we going to step together into what God has for us? So me and Mel have prayed about this because I would not present all this to you guys if I didn't feel before the Lord, this is our next step. This is what we're supposed to do. If I'm going to ask the people to give above their regular giving for a one-time special gift, then I'm going to give. And so me and Mel, as, as we prayed about what amount to give, here's what the Holy Spirit did in my heart. Maybe he'll do something totally different in your heart. I thought, okay, there's normal building campaigns. There's our own building, right? Our house. And we have a mortgage. Or maybe you have rent. And I thought, if we can pay our mortgage 12 times a year, to a bank for a house that someday is going to burn up, then, then surely once we could, from our savings, sacrificially pay that same amount to this building people campaign because we believe in it. And that's what God led us to do is let's just make one mortgage payment to the building people campaign. Well, let's, let's do that. And, 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 and we're taking an offering today. I know a lot of you guys, you, you may not be ready. That's okay. You might need to talk with your spouse, pray it over. That's okay. But we're doing one today because if the Holy Spirit is moving, and if you think, yeah, I, I can do a, one mortgage payment or I don't have a mortgage anymore. Maybe you could do two or three. I don't know. That's up to the Holy Spirit. That's up to you. But we want to give you an opportunity today. Uh, and then we'll continue at the end of each service to do this. And we'll see for us to raise this $25,000 balance. It might take us we could be surprised. It might take us two weeks. It might take us two months. It takes us two years. You guys are going to get pretty sick of it, okay? Uh, but let's pray. And if the Holy Spirit leads you, this offering is, is just to raise this 25000 so that uh, we have the full amount to bring on that home groups, community groups, pastor. Salary will be fully paid for a year. And I have no doubt that within the next year, our, our budget will hit it. 
Just so you guys know, this is not an unsustainable thing. Our budget grows by 30 to 50% every year. So this is not, I'm not being crazy to think we can afford him next year. Uh, but pray, pray with me, see how the spirit leads. And uh, thank, you, thank you for being part of the body, Lord. We pray that you would build this church, that you would make us what you want us to be. That together, Lord, we would experience and see the fullness of Christ as we interact with each other in real relationship. Lord, we don't ever want to be a church that's just big and shallow and a whole bunch of numbers. We want to be a church of relationships. And Lord, we could just say that or we could kind of put our money where our mouth is and, and I, I pray for our people that we would respond to you and choose. We're going to be a church of relationships. We're going to be a church of discipleship and shepherding. We believe you're working here and blessing. Jesus, in all of this, we just ask you be the head of this church. You be the boss of us. You tell us what to do, when to do it, where to go. Jesus, we will follow you anywhere. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.